welcome to episode 42 of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary with Catherine and Kristen, where we believe there's nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for our virtual book club where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Ooh. Hi, Catherine. Hey, Kristen. So, uh, this week we're talking the best thing ever, uh, birthdays. <laughs> yes. Because I'm sure everybody has heard us talk by now uh, that both of us celebrate birthdays in the month of December. Yeah. So, when's your birthday? <laughs> My birthday's Christmas Eve. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> true yeah december 2-4 yeah <laughs> yeah so growing up december 24th wasn't the best birthday because couldn't really hang out with my friends and stuff everybody always had plans but like as an adult much better big fan yeah yeah <laughs> especially since i think this is just where we live but tibbs eve is such a big thing here uh which is on the 23rd there's yeah pottery and drinking i think it's literally just us our yeah, yeah i i honestly don't know so guys again like if you haven't heard of it before there is this thing called tibs which is t-i-b-b-s eve it's a, a name for the 23rd of december like christmas, christmas eve eve, eve. eve. <laughs> uh so yeah, and here where we live anyway, it's generally filled with a night of like, this is the night you get really drunk mm-hmm. and and like party your socks off, right? Like you don't really do that Christmas Eve because you're with, you know, you're with your family or you're with your loved ones or whoever. So Tibbs Eve is the night that you like go off the rails and you get a little crazy. Yeah. And I, yeah, I have no idea if that originated anywhere or if that exists anywhere else, but here. <laughs> yeah. I'm not no sure. Idea. But it's everybody's up for a party that night. And where it's yeah. like the night before my birthday, I generally just party that night. And then once it's midnight, it's my birthday anyway. So it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Cause you don't want to be, not that I haven't been hung over on Christmas day, but you don't want to be too hung over on <laughs> Christmas day. No. <laughs> especially if there are children involved because they're going to wake you up regardless they are loud they don't extra. care <laughs> no that is true yeah so definitely love that and then for me generally on my birthday we do my family does brunch mm-hmm. um has a big old spread of food because everyone's hung over by everyone i mean me and my brother-in-law and my sister usually are the ones that are hung over my parents aren't hung over but yeah just a big old brunch where I'll have a coffee and Bailey's a mimosa and then a beer and I'm like I love multiple drinks at a brunch I just it's my favorite (laughs) but yeah so definitely got better as I got older but uh, I'm a big fan of my birthday now it's a good time Mm mm-hmm What about you? When is your birthday? So my birthday was actually this past Tuesday, December 13th. Um, And I feel like I really lucked out with a birthday, like with that birthday, because um, 
it wasn't so close to Christmas that like people ever combined anything. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure you I got do. a lot I do of, know what you mean. <laughs> you got a lot of oh here, this is for your birthday and for Christmas. Com- yeah. combined gifts, but where my birthday is like almost two weeks away from Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh people did that less. Not yeah. that I never got not that I, it never happened, but it happened significantly less than I think mm-hmm. it would happen for you. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know. I Like, I do remember as a kid, um, sometimes, uh, like, I would try and have a birthday party with school friends and there would be, like, Christmas concerts and, like, mm-hmm. pageants and stuff like that on the go. So, like, my birthday parties as a child weren't stellar. Yeah. But they weren't bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I gen- generally the the good friends made it, you know, made it to the to the event. Yeah. Uh, I agree as an adult, like they're better apart from the fact that I'm like, it's just a signal that I'm aging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, get that. But like, I, I don't know. I just, I just like them because I can do what I want. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, for me, uh, for my birthday, usually every year, um, my parents will have a dinner, like a family dinner for me. Mm-hmm. So like the same way you do brunch, we do supper mm-hmm. um, with my, like, you know, my parents, my sister, her fiance, um, my uh, aunt and her partner and their like some amalgamation of their four children uh then my other aunt my nan sometimes my other aunt and her husband and my uncle um sometimes one or more of my cousins like (laughs) you know it's there's usually like between i'd say 12 to 15 yeah at like a family dinner so I'll get that, and then on my birthday or near to it, my husband and I will go out to dinner at one of my favorite restaurants in town, and my parents will, like, take the kids. Um, last year was really nice. He actually um, booked a hotel room in town, so, like, we got to go do an escape room, which I really, really enjoy doing, <laughs> and we went to dinner, and then we hung out in the hotel and then the next day um he booked like a really snazzy brunch at the hotel it was like one of those like afternoon tea sort of deals which was delicious um so yeah it was lovely and of course we always do a thing to celebrate our birthdays together i don't know why we just do like i don't even remember how it started but i just (laughs) Like, I do not remember. You and I always go out together to celebrate our birthdays. Yeah. I think we decided that for Christmas, we would, like, do the supper was kind of, like, Christmassy, but we would get each other gifts for birthdays. And then it just turned into going out for our birthdays, (laughs) which is fine. Like, it's perfect. Yeah. I know. Like, and I know I did usually go to your birthday brunch too Mm -hmm. but then 
again, like we probably haven't really talked about it, but Christmas Eve, I have all those people that come to family dinner. I have everybody sleep at my house Christmas now. It's mm-hmm. it's past. It used to be at my mom's house. Now it's at my house. So when it was at my mom's house, I remember I used to go to your birthday brunch, but mm-hmm. then it's at my house. So now I have to like stay home and clean and prepare yeah. for everybody coming. So I can't actually attend your birthday brunch anymore. So I like yeah. that we get to go out and I don't know, celebrate us. Do our birthdays together. Yeah, no, I yeah. agree. Um, and yeah, that's the like, that's the thing I like about celebrating on the 23rd anyway, is usually you can see other people too that can't. Cause the 24th is a like very heavy traditional day mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So like, I, I don't, uh, I don't always see a lot of people on my birthday, which is like, completely fine because the reason we do brunch is because before covid we used to do mass on the night of the 24th mm-hmm. um we you know those christmas and easter <laughs> church goers turned into those and now i just i don't know the last time i was at church but i need to go i actually need to go easter next year because my um my two nephews are doing their confirmation and i'm their sponsor <laughs> so um that's I know I'll be going next Easter but yeah Yeah. but yeah so those are our birthdays yeah happy birthdays to us happy birthdays to us and happy birthday to anybody else who's listening if it's your birthday this month birthday twins yeah and Feyre whose birthday is 21st first yes right winter solstice happy birthday Feyre yay yeah that's on Wednesday of next week yeah uh anyway so this is just a heads up that we are not a spoiler free zone and things might get saucy they might um okay so the last week was a pretty eventful week we get um Feyre sort of met all of Reese's uh court like his 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 buddies um I'm going to call them the, they're, they're called the inner circle. So that's what I'm going to refer to them as. Uh, so we have Amryn, who was his second and is like, we don't even know what she is. She's something trapped in a fey body, but she's like terrifying. Apparently uh, we have more, his cousin that we met previously. We have Cassian who is a, uh, uh, Illyrian uh, fighter. He's like the captain of, Reese's armies and then we have Azriel, who is another Illyrian shadow singer so he can manipulate shadows and stuff and um he is the spy master so because he can manipulate shadows that means he's really good at sneaking around places uh so that's the inner circle uh and Feyre has agreed to help them because there is a threat that we've discovered from Hibern they are attempting to reforge and use uh, the cauldron, which is like the thing that made this entire world, apparently. So Highburn wants to use the cauldron to tear down the wall between Fey and human realms so that they can enslave humans again. Yay! Yeah. Anyway, so I guess... This whole thing is culminated into um, Feyre and Reese going to see the Bone Carver, who's like another 
creature that we don't really know much about, like, what he is. Uh, but he knows things. So he told them that Hybern is the one... Hybern is, is trying to do this to the cauldron. They're trying to get it back to power. And the only way to control it, really, is through a book called the Book of Breathings. Half of it is in the summer court. Half of it belonged to the humans. Uh, but there's no way to steal the one from the humans. It has to be given of the human queen's own free will. So they have to try and get it from them in a nice way. <laughs> True. So they need a nice neutral location on human lands that they can meet the human queens at. And the only place that we have is Pharaoh's family's house. Makes sense. So Feyre, Reese, Az, and Cassian, they have all traveled to Feyre's family's house and asked them to open up their home. They have said yes, and they have sent the staff away so that they can have their sort of first meeting. And that's where we start. So Elaine is sending the staff away. Uh, and originally, like, when... Feyre first showed up to sort of get them to help. Uh, Reese, Cassian, and Asriel were like invisible, I guess. They they did travel there with her, but she knocked on the door alone. Mm -hmm. uh, so as soon as the staff were gone, they appeared, which is funny. Um <laughs> the so I the thing I noticed and and like we sort of bring it up a little bit. Like, it gets brought up near the end of the book, I think. So, Farah is wearing a crown, like a diadem, we'll say, mm -hmm. to this meeting. Like, I understand why. Because I know what happens in the next... Like, I know what happens. Yeah. So, I get why. But, like, why doesn't she question why? I think she doesn't think that it has anything to do with... Anything other than like Nuala and Caridwin are dressing her and they're deciding to do it. I don't think she realizes that there are ulterior motives behind it. Not that they're not, that's not even the right term, but I don't think that she realizes there's secondary connotations. Yeah. Because like, if it were me and I knew I was going to just see my sister, <laughs> you wouldn't wear a crown? No. Your sister would get pissed. Hey, Heather. <laughs> Who do you think you are? She'd say. <laughs> yeah, she'd be like, "What? Like, what is happening here?" So, like, yeah. I, I just sort of am like, why does she not question the fact that she's wearing a crown to meet with her sisters? Yeah, like I can sort of see it in other meetings because this is a, a running theme. She continues mm -hmm. to wear variations of like diadems, tiaras, that sort of thing, uh, a lot. And yeah, and, and like I just don't understand why she doesn't, why she isn't like, why the hell do I have a crown on? It's just my sisters. I don't even like them that much. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it is weird. I almost feel like it would be weirder at the other shit though, because like seeing her sisters, it's just something in her hair that's pretty. Doesn't really matter. But seeing, like, going to these meetings with important people, you think you'd be like, I shouldn't be wearing a crown. I'm just 
That's a little girl that used to be a human. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Okay. No, I see what you're saying. I get that. But I just feel like you're, it's a bit overdressed. That's yeah, none of, none of it makes sense. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So, I just feel like she might be a bit overdressed to see her sisters. Yeah. But, hey, that's how you want to live your life. Live it that way. But it's not even it's not even her choosing it. So, it's <laughs> no, so the- weird. It is so weird. <laughs> I, I agree I'm, with you. <laughs> I'm glad you're on the same page as me. I'm glad I'm not the only one. No, it's odd. <laughs> okay. So um, she introduces everyone to each other, and she said that even though Reese has he's put this damper on his power, I guess so as not to be like scary. Uh, you could still look at him and know he was extraordinary. Those were her words. Extraordinary. Makes me want to vomit. <laughs> Does Oof. it? No, but kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I just like. I wrote in my notes, hmm, because it's like she's using a word like extraordinary. Yeah. Like, I just, but like, as of right now, she doesn't even really like him that much. No, but extraordinary just might mean like, it can just mean like extraordinary power, I guess. I guess. But still, a lot happens in this, a lot happens every week, but a lot happens this week. But I'm like say that every week. I know. But I'm like, by the end of this chapter, but the end of this chapter, by the end of this week, we're at a point that I'm like, she thinks he's extraordinary. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, uh yeah. So they eat dinner, uh, and Farah thinks that it tastes like garbage. (laughs) Essentially. But like she was actually really excited to eat because she was like, oh wow, like this is food like that it's rich people food. And like, she's been eating that way at the spring court that, you know, and at the night court, like Mm -hmm. she's been eating fancy food, but she's really excited to eat it with her family because I guess they were poor for so long. So she was like, you know, there's meats and like asparagus and like all kinds of good things. Mm -hmm. Uh, But she was like, Oh, this tastes like garbage. Um, And Nesta notices nesta's her like stuck up bitchy sister notices and is like immediately offended and is like what our food's not good enough for you now like and i guess you know it's got that myth behind that like that you know that mythology of like fairy food tasting like amazing and incredible and one taste and all of a sudden you're like trapped in the fairy realm forever yeah, And that's why it tastes so good to, like, entice you to eat it. I feel yeah. like it's sort of that sort of myth a little bit. Like, it, fairy food actually just tastes incredible. Anyway, so in comparison, human food, garbage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my favorite part of this scene um, is actually comes from Cassian. Because Nesta is, like, being herself so she's being a bitch and says that like oh what you're you're like too good for our food now sort of a thing and cassian sticks up for farah here he like defends her and he says um like he sort of is staring at her and she's like and he's she's like well what are you looking at 
And he says that he's looking at someone who let her younger sister go into the forest and risk her life every day while she did nothing. And then he said Farah died to save his people and was willing it to do so again to protect the humans. So essentially saying, like, you should show her some respect. Mm-hmm. And I just really love that. And I love that it was Cassian that did it. Like, I love that they, that the, that SJM didn't have Reese do it. Yeah. Because, like, we all sort of expect it from Reese, right? We all sort of can tell that he, he sort of has a thing for her, right? Like, he's flirty with her. Like, we just can tell. Yeah. Right? So I just, I like that it's Cassian that does it because it's sort of coming at it from, like, a friend angle. Like, Mm-hmm. She's not just making, like, she's not just, this isn't just Reese having a thing for her. This is, like, she's developing friendships and relationships with all of the people in the inner circle. So, yeah. I just, I really appreciated that. And I thought it was about time somebody said something to Nesta because I just want to punch her. Um. Anyway, uh, Elaine and Azriel actually, like, are polite and sort of close the bridge, like sort of make Feyre and Cassian and Nesta sort of get over the spat that they're sort of having and sort of make them talk about other things. Like they change the subject. And that's the dinner. Like they finish dinner and they go up to bed. I don't understand though. Like, so are Elaine and Nesta going to do the dishes now? Because they sent all the servants away. Doubt it. So like what? They're just going to leave them on the, pl- on the, on the table? Probably. Okay. I'm just I'm assuming the servants are coming back tomorrow. So like maybe, but I guess the uh, they have breakfast the next day, so I don't really know. Huh. Who who makes them breakfast? Is Nesta making them breakfast? I don't think so. I wonder if they just like get a thing of toast or something. Yeah. Anyway. So they write their letter to the queens. Make sure it's, like, all flowery with the language and, like, polite. And then they stay the night at their house. Reese and Feyre share a room. Ooh. I know. But they do not share a bed. What? I know. Uh, she, like, they go into the room. Uh, and Feyre sees that it's like one double bed and she's like uh this is not happening and so he like conjures another he just conjures a separate bed that he then sleeps in which is interesting (laughs) on a few different levels but it's sad because love myself a one bed trope yes anyway uh so yeah so they they sort of like you know i'm gonna say they pillow talk even though it's not actually pillow talk because they're not sharing a bed but like they chat a little bit Mm -hmm. and i love that so reese i don't even remember the context but i I feel like maybe she was talking about what cassian said to nesta or like how nesta reacted or something like that and Reese is like, well, yeah, like, I totally agree with Cassian. And he says, it will be a long time before he can look at Feyre's sisters with kindness after what they, like, let Feyre do on her own. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. Like, he is just as pissed as Cassian is, but he's being quietly reserved about it, which I enjoy. Yeah. So that was nice. 
Um, Feyre agrees, but said that, like, everything that happened with her sisters and, like, her having to go in and hunt led her to the Fey lands. And if that hadn't happened, then Reese and everybody would still be cursed. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess we got to look at the bright side. Like, <laughs> yeah, her sisters were dicks, but at least now everybody's free. Uh, Reese then mentions, I guess they start talking about other things, maybe about like her dad and his work. And Reese mentions to her that she is also getting paid for her work. Like she is working for his court. So there's an account in Valaris already set up for her with money in it, which is lovely. Yeah. I don't know how he set up a bank account for her, though, like, without her there. Well, I guess there are different rules when you're <laughs> the leader of a place. I guess. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> I suppose. I'm sort of jealous. Set up a bank account for me. Yeah. Also, knowing <laughs> what happens in the end, do you think he really set up a bank account for her? <laughs> uh, you know what, though? I do. Mm. I think he definitely has an account set up for her. I think he definitely puts money in that account and she can do whatever she wants with it. Yeah. And that's her money. I I do. Yeah. Uh, he also then asks when her birthday is. And initially she's like hesitant to tell him. She's sort of like, well, does it even matter? Like, I'm not going to get any, I'm not going to get old anymore. Like I'm not aging anymore. So what's the point? And he like eventually gets it out of her. Uh, and he is actually quite upset. He's like, I don't remember seeing you celebrate because, she, you know, she mm-hmm. said, oh, my birthday is the winter sol- 21st of December. And he's like, well, that's winter solstice. And she said, well, yes, yes, it is. And he said, like, I don't remember. I don't recall through the bond because obviously, again, this was back before she shielded anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like, I don't remember seeing you celebrate. And she said, well, I didn't. She said, it's, you know, I didn't, I didn't celebrate. And that pissed him off because I guess he still thinks that her birth is something to celebrate and it annoyed him. And she sort of just said, like, there was enough shit going on. Yeah. Fair, fair. Like, for somebody who she's definitely like, we know that she's not as prickly as Nesta, but like, I wouldn't call Feyre a people person. No. So I just, I feel like having to do that fancy schmancy winter solstice solstice, Mm -hmm. to then try and celebrate her birthday on top of that would be too many people, too much shit going on. Well, especially since the people that she lived with at the time probably didn't understand that she didn't want it to be a big celebration and would have gone all out. Like, I feel like if somebody knew her, they'd be like, oh... Let's have a tiny little cake for her in private instead of a big ass celebration. But I think she would have just got a big one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the next day, I guess, I think it's like before breakfast even, or maybe maybe it's after, I don't know. It's early in the morning. Um, they go into the forest, like just the old forest to train, um, to train with magic. So Reese wants her to light a candle and then douse it with water and then dry the wick with air. So he wants her to use fire, water, and then air, wind, power. <laughs> um, 
And like, he doesn't give her any instructions on how to do it. Just do it. Uh, you got this. So she's, yeah, like, you can do it. I believe in you. Uh, and then she's like, she tells him to leave because she can't work while he's looking at her and says that like she can feel him a room away. <laughs> so like, hmm, again, like, hmm. Interesting. Is, yes. Why? <laughs> like, I just, I just don't understand how she's so oblivious. Yeah. But I guess she just doesn't understand that. I guess, yeah. It's a thing. So, so yeah. So, uh, he likes, he liked that comment. Like, so he was all too, he was like, oh, okay. Um, so they like banter a little bit more and then he leaves and leaves her in the woods to train. Uh, they start a little, I'm calling it a tradition in this scene, like a little, a little thing that they do with each other and it's adorable. Mm -hmm. Um, so Feyre, she's in the woods alone practicing uh, and she's there for quite a while. I don't know if it's like, it's definitely an hour. Yeah. Uh, so she opens her pack that she brought for food and finds a note from Reese and a pen. And it says something like, any luck yet, this is taking ages. <laughs> and so then she actually writes below the note and the whole thing disappears. And then a minute later, the paper returns with a new note with him, like, responding to her. So it's like magic texting. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> right? So they've got, so they do this little thing with each other. They don't do it with anyone else, just with each other. And it's adorable. Um, so he writes to her that things are better when she's around. Hmm. it's so cute and like I just my heart hurts for him because I feel like he has to hold himself together for everybody and like yeah. Feyre is a mess but she also doesn't hide that she's a mess mm -hmm. she tries to stay stoic through it and like suffer in silence but it's not really silence because you can see it Right? Like, you can yeah. see that she's not eating. You can see that she's not sleeping. It's, like, written all over her face. And, like, you can see that she's, like, just not living. I feel like Reese feels like he has to keep all that, like, locked away mm -hmm. and, and show that he's okay when really he's not. Yeah. And just the fact that he thinks that he actually feels better when she's around. Like, I would just be like, okay, I'll stay there and I'll never be, I'll never <laughs> go away. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so she's so busy responding to his note that she doesn't sense or see anyone. Um, but somebody sneaks up behind her and attacks her. Eee. I know. And they sort of like hold her in a chokehold with like their arm around her neck slash head. Mm -hmm. And they sort of speak in her ear and she immediately recognizes it as the adder. So the adder is like a winged creature. Um, do you know what I think of when I think of the adder? I think of a cross between Hotel Transylvania 2, <laughs> um, the grandpa's henchman is like a weird bat creature thing. Okay. 
which is really obscure. But then also the underworld too. Remember Marcus in his original vampire form? Yeah. That. Interesting. That's what I think of when I think of the adder. How big are you thinking? I'm thinking full size. Oh, I was thinking like, like two I'm, feet. Oh, no, I'm thinking it's a full size human. Oh, okay. I don't know. Anyway. So she's terrified because yeah. she remembers the adder like kicked her butt and like beat her up as she as tortured her as a human. So before it could do anything else other than like hold her and whisper something in her ear, night like explodes around them and nobody can see anything. And Reese shows up with Asriel and as has him in a second and he's gone uh, to question him about Highburn slash torture him. And the adder sort of says like, no, 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 I promise this isn't me. Like the, my master asked me to come uh, for Feyre and to like steal her away. So once Asriel takes the adder to an undisclosed location to torture him, Feyre is like furious because she knows for, she senses that Reese has set her up as bait. Yeah. Cause he was like, I, she was like, cause he just, he was too prepared. So she was like, what the hell? And he was like, oh yeah, I was wondering who it would be to come and take you first. Like who would come for you first when you were alone? Mm-hmm. And she's pissed because she's like, I don't want to be in the dark about things. So she was really mad. And then he got equally mad at her because she said, he said, sorry, that she stopped fighting mm-hmm. with Tamlin. Like she stopped fighting his rules stop fighting really stopped fighting to live yeah she was content to be this like vacant shell which for him he was really upset about mm-hmm. so they're fu- they're sort of arguing and she's trying to punch him because he insulted her and like he she's pissed that he said that So she's trying to hit him, and as soon as she gets close to hitting him, he winnows away. And she keeps going up to him, trying to punch him, and then he winnows away so she can never connect. And I guess she gets so mad that all of a sudden she winnows, and she finally manages to winnow in front of him, and she tackles him to the ground. Yeah. Um. And initially, I was sort of like, ooh, like sexual tension, but there's none. She is so <laughs> pissed. Yeah. Um, and she just says to him, she says, you are never allowed to use me as pawn, as a pawn or as bait again. And if that was going to be part of her job description, then she's done. She's not continuing. Mm-hmm. And And I feel like maybe he didn't realize how much of a no-go, like, situation that was for her yeah like i think he's starting to realize how much control plays an important part in her i'll say rehabilitation process yeah that's a good thing to call it yeah because she was without control for so long for three months she didn't have any sort of control like no like amarantha reese 
like everybody was dictating what she did under that mountain. She had mm-hmm. no free will whatsoever. So I think her free will and control are really important to her in this time. <laughs> um, so he apologizes and he wants to keep training because he's like, you winnowed, like, let's build on this. But she's, she's like, no, I'm done. Yeah. Like, I'm completely done. So he, he says, okay, like, let's just go home then. And I guess she's feeling, she's so upset that she says, like, Valar's is not my home. And she said that she could see the hurt on his eyes. Like, he's been really welcoming to her, opening up Valar's to her and, like, He's worked hard to make that a really nice place. And for her to say that is, you know, is, but I think she was trying to cut yeah. him a little bit. Like she was trying to, to be hurtful. But like where I think her biggest thing is like, she just, where is her home? Where do you, where at this moment would she say her home is? Cause it's obviously not with Tamlin. She doesn't really feel comfortable with her sisters. Like, I also feel like she's just kind of feeling a bit betrayed and lost and like this was like, oh, you're going to fuck me over too and take away my control. Like I already went through this. I'm not going to let it happen again. So I think part of it was also she's trying to save herself from going through any pain, any more pain, I'll say. Yeah. She's been through a hell of a lot in a short period of time. Yeah. So I guess Reese immediately drops Feyre in Valaris and then goes to join uh, Asriel and maybe Cassian. I don't know where Cassian is at this point. Um, wherever, I think it maybe it was just Asriel uh, to join him wherever he was to torture the Adder. Uh, Reese comes back a little bit later saying everything was done and they learned what they needed to. He asks Feyre, like, how much she wants to know. Because I guess he's realizing that she wants to know things. She doesn't want to be left in the dark. Mm -hmm. So he says it's up to her. Like, completely. He will tell her as much or as little as she wants. And she says she wants to know everything. So he shows her, like, he hauls her into his mind. He opens, like, a little room just for her. (laughs) And shows her the memory of um shows her the memory of them torturing the adder sort of similarly to how he showed her the memory of um ianthe with her bouncing boobies (laughs) it's true which is funny (laughs) so um the memory sort of shows them torturing mildly the adder like they don't they don't really torture him a lot no they're not, like, cutting off fingers or, like, anything like that. No, and they they let him go, <laughs> don't they? Like, yes, I don't... they do. They do let him go. I'm like, what is this? This is not any yeah, type guess... of torture. Yeah. But, like, they do it on purpose because they want to yeah. send a message, right, is what they say. So, um, I guess we read this next section of this memory in Reese's point of view and um Reese sort of mentions that Asriel has this like icy rage that even Reese can't thaw mm-hmm. and it doesn't seem like anything helps 
really, except for more, I think a little bit like more is really the only one that can get him out of like out of this, the, the funk he's in sometimes, Mm -hmm. but like apparently nothing helps this icy rage that he has. Like he's just cold and angry all the time. Um, And even said that like, once he got so powerful, him and Reese went back to his father's house where he was tortured and, and lit on fire and bro he broke his half brother's legs yeah but like it doesn't seem like that is enough and i mean i don't know if i would think it's enough either no and it's throughout this book you can tell that he's always trying to separate himself from Illyrians. like his hatred of them is so separate from his being like he he doesn't feel like he's one himself no so, um, apparently Asriel has also been monitoring the spring court just to see if, you know, he's mobilizing anybody or how it's going over there. Uh, but apparently Tamlin has his borders locked down really tight. Um, and Feyre didn't know about that. So after, I guess, like the memory and, you know, she sees that they tortured the adder, didn't get a whole lot of information. Mm-hmm. Um, just that, you know, Hybern was trying to get Feyre and was at his castle locked up tight. So, um, so yeah, so after Feyre comes out of the memory, um, they did let the Adder go because, again, they tortured him and then they wanted him to, like, limp back to Hybern to sort of show, hey, we know what you're up to sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, Feyre didn't know about that whole situation with the spring court. She wasn't, so she decides that she wants to try and fix the situation and make it better. So she writes a letter to Tamlin saying that she left of her own free will, that she was safe and cared for and grateful to him, but she's not coming back. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like the first time she admitted to herself that she did not want to go back there. Yeah, I think so too. Because I think up to now, it's been sort of when I get back, like if I go back. And now it's like, a no, I'm like realizing that that is not a healthy environment for her anymore. Mm-hmm. And realizing that she's a fae now, there are lots of things in the world she hasn't seen and experienced and she wants to experience those things without limits and without boundaries, knowing that a life with uh, Tamlin would be all about limits and boundaries, not just even because of his tendency to need to protect, but also just his life and the way he runs his court. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it it pushes... It, it just seems like the way that Tamlin runs his court is a lot more traditional and a lot more ceremonious than the way Reese runs his court. Yeah. Right? And that just doesn't seem conducive to the life that Feyre wants to live. Like, she's not super formal. She doesn't... I don't see her being able to rule the way Tamlin wants her to. Yeah, I get that. Like, I just don't see it in her personality. Mm -hmm. 
And she has decided that she wants to experience life without limits or boundaries, so she is not going back. Good for her. Yeah. Uh, that night, the night court of the inner circle, they decide to take Feyre out to show her the city. Ooh. Yeah. She talks to Amran a little bit first, asking about, like, the rules of the court. And sort of saying, like, you know, Nuala and Caradwin, like, what are they? So they're, apparently they're half fey, half wraith, which is why they can sort of become shadow. Mm-hmm. And even though they technically are Reese's employees, Asriel is, actually uses them for spying a lot. Mm-hmm. And, like, they answer to him for a lot of things. <laughs> and Amron even mentions that they spy on her a mm-hmm. little bit. So Feyre thinks that Amron's going to be offended that she's being spied on a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's not. She's okay with it. Um, and then Feyre asks if Azrael ever gets in trouble for breaking orders. Because Reese has, Reese has said like he doesn't want Nuala and Caradwin spying on Amron. Um, but Amron says no. Because Azrael is doing what he thinks is best, trusting his own judgment, and being loyal and protecting the court. Which is way different, again, than the Spring Court. Mm-hmm. You know, if anybody disobeys, like if Lucian disobeys Tamlin for anything, he, he does get in trouble. Yep. Not in much trouble now, I think he just yells at him, but like still, he gets mad. Yeah, you don't want someone yelling at you all the time. <laughs> that we've seen, too. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there's been anything else. Um, Feyre then asks um, Amran about the tithe. So she experienced the tithe in the spring court. But Amran tells her that the night court doesn't have one. And that businesses pay a tax, but there is no such thing as a tithe. Which Feyre actually really appreciates. And, and you know, I think we all would. Yeah. There was no taxes. I'd totally be okay with it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Farah sort of takes this opportunity to give Amran back the necklace slash pendant that she gave her to go under the to go into the prison. But Amran tells her to keep it <laughs> and sort of says, like, hey, there was no that was not a magic necklace at all. Uh she said she found it at the bottom of her jewelry box and Reese gave it to her probably two hundred years ago. <laughs> And she was like, if there was no magic in it, then what, why, why'd you even bother giving it to me? And she said that Feyre needed to believe she would get out. So she gave it to her. So like, she sort of tricked her and it's sort of like, what do you call it? The placebo effect. Yeah. Right. She's told her it would do something. And it was really just her subconscious that needed that assurance. Yeah. I feel like it's also like a metaphor for like, her depression like she needs to feel like she'll be able to get over it to eventually get over it and like this is the first steps of it Mm. yeah good point never thought of that I only just thought of it like (laughs) I didn't think of it while I was reading I just thought of it that second yeah um so they walk down the street and Feyre really appreciates that like nobody is running from them nobody stops to stare like everything is normal and 
they're all treated like human beings. Like they're not treated irreverentially or anything like that. They're not treated like gods or kings or anything. They're just normal people walking down the road. And Feyre sort of finally, and I know we've sort of talked about it a little bit before, but she actively feels bad uh, at this point. She was mad at this place. Like she feels bad that she was mad that, Valaris was in touch. Like, remember mm-hmm. back when she first came last week, she was upset that this that Valaris escaped the war untouched. But now she sort of feels bad that she was upset about it. Yeah. Because she knows that the inner court fought so hard to preserve and protect this one spot. Mm-hmm. And she said it's nice to have somewhere normal. Like, it's nice to have somewhere normal to go to feel normal. Yeah. So they go to this really, like, small, dinky restaurant. Like, I'm calling it dinky in the best way. Like, it's nothing <laughs> fancy. Um, and apparently they bring out dish after dish. There was no taking their order, or their order. Like, they didn't get to take an order. The owner just, they sat them in there. And then she just starts bringing stuff out. Yeah. Um, the owner seems to, like, know them. Like, and and is able to talk to them freely so it makes me think that they frequent this restaurant a lot mm-hmm. um she does take a minute to ask reese about the potential price increase of spices but tells him like he says he'll look into it and she's like oh don't trouble yourself but she said like i felt like i had to mention it mm-hmm. because it was so nice to have spices again so like from that one little comment, we know that Valaris was not completely untouched. Yeah. Like, they still, like, they suffered supply issues. I'm sure they suffered in other ways that yeah. weren't, you know, so they didn't get have any spices. So she's really excited to have them again. But if there's going to be this huge price increase, then it's going to be hard. So... He then responds to her that it wouldn't be trouble at all because he loves her cooking so much. Um, And that makes the owner really happy. The reason I'm mentioning this, because it doesn't seem like an important point, but Farah said the owner looks like she felt when she finished a painting. So the owner being really happy that people are enjoying her food. Mm -hmm. She says that 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 feeling is how she used to feel. And we're sort of, I feel like that's an important point for Feyre. Like, it's sort of, again, like, it's a benchmark in her healing process. Mm -hmm. So she tells the owner that she had never tasted food that has made her feel awake. And this food makes her feel awake. So, so yeah, so I guess Reese sort of looks at her really softly after she makes that comment about the food, like, and I just, I just love it because he's, you know, yeah, I just do. Um, And then the owner brings Amryn out a goblet of blood. Mm, So Amryn doesn't, yeah, Amryn doesn't eat food. She drinks blood. Lovely. I'm here for it. I love the idea of this like small pint-sized fae like sitting at the table with a big old goblet and like getting like a milk mustache, but it's red. Like <laughs> fair. <laughs> so uh, after they eat, they leave the restaurant, and Moore wants to go dancing. 
So for some reason, Asriel and Cassian both agree to go dancing. Like you would? All, I know. It, like, seems like it's just not something I would ever think that Asriel would admit, would agree to do. Yeah. It kind of makes me think, like, is he just going to keep make sure that they're safe? But then it's like, it just seems, why would you? Yeah. Maybe. So Reese and Feyre decide to go to walk home. And she asks him about his life and about Valaris and, and why he feels the need to keep everything secret. And he said that, like, long ago, the court used to be dark and evil until one, like, ancient high lord purged the court of darkness and established Valaris and decided to keep it a secret. Eventually the darkness returned which created the divide between Valaris and the hewn city so then Feyre asked him if him and Amran had ever slept together because I guess she was curious since Amran admitted that uh, Reese gave her that jewelry that necklace and mm-hmm. I think we've seen Reese give her another piece of jewelry as well yeah I think it was pendant so um, I guess she's sort of thinking that maybe there's some history there or something. And he laughs at her. <laughs> He's like, no, not even, not even close. Uh, so they keep walking and she finds like a busker playing music on the street. And she says that it's like, it's beautiful. And it's this haunting melody um, and then she recognizes it as the song she heard under the mountain in her cell. So she was under the mountain ready to break apart. And all of a sudden she heard this music and this was the tune. Um, and Reese admits that he sent it to her mind to mind because he could tell that she was breaking and he couldn't find another way to save her. And that is just heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Can you imagine like being in the position of seeing somebody falling apart and wanting so badly to even just talk to them and say, you're not alone, you're okay. Mm -hmm. And then, but not being able to. Yeah. Like literally having nothing to give to someone except for the tune of a song that they cherished. Like he loves that song. So he sent it to her. Yeah. So then she thanks him for all he's done to, for her, like, then and now. And I think she's finally realizing that, like, a lot of the shit he did was to protect her. hmm So they go back to the house, and later she's, like, I guess she goes to bed and she's reading, which is glorious to see, considering she didn't know how to read at the beginning of this book, when all of a sudden a note lands in her lap. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's... Her and Reese, like, they're writing these notes to each other. Um, They flirt real hard in these notes, referencing, like, licking in all the right places. And Reese says that he's really good at licking. (laughs) And obviously, Feyre gets turned on because she presses her legs together. International sign for turned on. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't go any further than that. Um, so that night she still does have a nightmare, but she doesn't wake up, which is 
again, like it's just a sign that she is slowly healing. Yeah. So the next day, uh, I guess they wake up, her and Cassie and go to the roof to train, like physically. So she's training magically with Reese. She's training physically with Cassian. Apparently she's terrible. <laughs> but like, what a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> Azrael and Reese apparently are sparring. Like they're next in like the next area, I'll say. And they're sparring. Um, they've taken their shirts off. And of course, Feyre's like ogling them as she's trying. Like, how is she supposed to learn effectively? Yeah, I, I'd i be ogling them too, 100%. <laughs> anyway, uh, and like, of course, they're covered in tattoos. So she's like, ooh, checking that out. Hot. Um, I will say I'm going to mention um, that this is where, so I feel like I need to preface this with saying that everybody remembers in the last book that she was cataloging everything through um, like a painter's eyes, like, colors uh vignettes like how she would paint something what she would call a scene um you know what color she would use so she hasn't done that and she hasn't wanted to do that at all since after under the mountain she hasn't picked up a paintbrush she refuses to see color anymore really like she just doesn't do anything like that so this scene seeing them fighting she all of a sudden gets this flash of what a painting could look like with them as the subjects and she says she would call it death on swift wings so again this is like a major step for her in her healing process because she's finally very slowly starting to see those scenes and those vignettes again of of what she could potentially paint and how she would paint something Mm -hmm. which is just really nice to see agreed so Cass sort of mentions to her that the tattoos are Illyrian and that you get them when you finish your training Uh, apparently they represent peace and glory Feyre's hand, like her bargain tattoo, is sort of modeled after the Illyrian ones. So her and Cass stop for a break and a drink. And he asks, like, how she is after sending the letter to Tamlin that she's not going back. And initially he's sort of like, I think she's a bit put off at the fact that he knows about it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like... She didn't think he would know what it said and the contents. Yeah. So this sort of starts her thinking about how with Tamlin's temper, he'd probably like trash the whole manor considering like what he did when, like when he, when she told him that she was suffocating, he like exploded a room. Mm -hmm. So she says she can only imagine, imagine what Tamlin had did when he got that letter. And she admits to herself, she's not saying this out loud, that she was afraid of his temper, but she had loved him so much and was so happy originally with him and at peace that she ignored the temper. Yeah. But obviously, after the Under the Mountain, she couldn't ignore it anymore. So she sort of doesn't really want to talk about it with anyone, like you know rightfully so 
So she tells him that she tells Cassian that she's fine, like after sending that letter, but she's lying. Yeah. And so again, I guess they pick like she sort of he he sort of picks up like the you know those gloves, those boxing gloves that you put on your hands and then somebody punches and hits them. I don't know what they're called, but he is has those pads on and she's got boxing gloves on and she's doing like she has to do the one two punch exercise. Mm-hmm. So they start doing that. Uh and she yeah, so she says she's like punching his pads and she's like, "Oh, I'm fine." And then she starts to think about it. And she said that like she did everything for her love for Tamlin and everything she could for Tamlin. She ripped herself to shreds. She killed innocent people. She died. And he just sat there and Mm -hmm. watched it happen. And when he finally had a chance to act back under the mountain, when they finally had that moment alone, instead of trying to free her, he just wanted to fuck her. Yeah. And we talked about how that was problematic, but I don't think she realized how problematic that was at the time. No, she's also a teenager, but I feel like she thought it was like romantic and like, Oh, he loves me so much that when he gets this one second, all he wants to do is bang. Yeah. She's yeah. So then she continues like, and this is all thoughts inside of her head. When Amarantha had broken her neck, he just sat there on his knees and begged like he didn't try to kill her and he didn't try and fight but unlike i will say she doesn't think this but i'm gonna say it unlike reese who as soon as her neck snapped he reached for a dagger and tried to attack amarantha and kill her but tamlin just didn't he was just sobbing next to her body yeah but when he got his powers back after he had the nerve to say to her that she wasn't useful anymore and that she needed to be protected for his peace of mind. But like, she's the one who saved him. She's the one who did everything for him. And I guess she was starting to get, she realized how mad she was that he then almost like discarded her or discredited everything she did and said, oh, well, I've got my powers back now, so now I protect you. I don't, like, you're just a weak, like, you're my weak little woman. Yeah. But, like, no, she's never been weak. She's never been powerless. But that's the way he treated her. So she sort of admits that, like, he's still good. He's not evil. But he was wrong. And, yeah, maybe he did fight for her. But she had fought harder for him. Mm-hmm. And like I, I really love this scene because this is all just going on in her head as she's doing like one, two punches into the pads. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden she starts crying and then she starts feeling bare hands or his bare hands instead of the pads. Like she's hitting his bare hands instead of the pads. So it turns out she had burned through the pads and the wrapping she had on and if she was wearing any sort of gloves. And she broke down again. 
and she sort of said out loud for the first time, I killed them. Again, referencing those fae that she had killed under the mountain. And all Cassian says in response then is, I know. And like, he doesn't say it to blame her or to condemn her or anything. Like, it's just simple fact. He's not ignoring it. And again, I love that she's having this moment with him. Yeah. Right? Because I just, I like that she's creating multiple relationships with the people here. Mm -hmm. Because then it's sort of explaining to us that it's not just a romantic, like, you know what I mean? It's, it's, It's not a love triangle. Because she's discovering so much more in this place with these people like she's almost like she's making a new family yeah so she and 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 i think like cassian is an awesome one to sort of confide in that way because he is captain of the guard he's done a lot of shit Mm -hmm. i'm sure he's killed a lot of people yeah so just being able to relate to her in that way, I think, is really um, important. So she then sort of, after he says, like, I know, she breaks down further and says that it should have been me. And that sort of confession makes Reese come over and he wraps her in his wings and comforts her and sort of, like, hugs her. and And he says... That she will feel that way every day for the rest of her life. So, like, he's not trying to, like, placate her or, like, say, oh, you'll get over it. It's not that big a deal. No, he's admitting that it is a big deal. Like, she did kill innocent. She killed two innocent people. Mm -hmm. But he, he says, like, you can either live with it every day or let it consume her. Yeah. And... He says that he's sorry that he couldn't protect her from what happened under the mountain. He then sort of admits again, he he makes another confession that he has two types of dreams. The kind where he or one of his friends is Amarantha's whore again. Or the kind where he sees Feyre's neck snap and the light leave her eyes. So this, her death really affects Reese as well. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to harken back to Farah's conversation with Lucian. Lucian says that Tamlin saw that too and, you know, really struggles with it. So be patient with him and blah, blah, blah. So again, we're sort of seeing this. I don't know whether I should call it a similarity or a difference mm-hmm. because both men are like haunted by the same sort of scene Mm -hmm. but the way that they are dealing with their traumas are completely different yeah so um they discuss her powers again because like after she like settles down a little bit um so i guess the flames that burnt through um the pads are from autumn court and can i just say one thing i forgot to say it i'm backtracking when she was punching the pads mm-hmm. before she had that breakdown, like he kept his hands up for her to keep going. He was willing to risk her burning his 
like her blistering and and giving him burns on his hands because he thought like that she needed to get it out so he kept his hands up and he was like looking at her like it's okay go ahead and she like noticed that and that's what made her break down yeah and i loved it me too i think he even said if i can keep going if you need me to yeah like it's such a it's okay something like that yeah yeah something like that but it, it was such a good scene like well it's i just find that like i find that books and we've said it before that books so often like glaze over the like glaze over traumas and stuff and just try and make it seem like happily ever after everything is okay but Mm -hmm. like i feel like this is sort of everyone sort of saying like it is totally okay for you to not be okay and like it is totally normal for you to feel that guilt and for you to feel like that you should not be alive because of you know what i mean because essentially you're saying it should have been me like i should be the one that's dead yeah so I, I just I love that they're giving her that sort of validation that she's not alone. She isn't the only person that feels that way. Yeah. So I love it so much. So he wants her to try to summon darkness, but she can't. And and I think a lot of it has to do with um she keeps thinking of darkness and the only darkness she can sort of pre- picture it's like the only darkness she's consumed by is the darkness of a prison cell or a nightmare and like fair point a lot of people sort of see the dark as scary and nightmarish um but he sort of brings forth and conjures this dark that is soft and quiet and peaceful and there are stars in it and it's just really lovely so she sort of takes her first like peaceful breath and he sort of helps her realize that darkness isn't all bad. So I guess that's another like, you know, her becoming closer to our two men. Uh, so a few days later, she is training with Cassian and I guess she's getting a little bit better. Um, and they get the news that the summer court has accepted their request to come visit. So they're going to go and try and get to have the book. Reese, Amran, and Feyre will be going since the last time Cassian went, he broke a building there. So apparently he's not welcome. Broke a building. <laughs> How do you break a whole building? Bad I don't up. know. Um, so Feyre and Reese like flirt some more. She's starting to sort of come get into this idea that she deserves this like fun distraction. So why not like go all in in the flirting? She doesn't want it to go any further than that uh, because of everything going on with Tamlin. And, you know, she knows that it hasn't actually been that long since she left him. And she doesn't want to feel like she's betraying him. Mm -hmm. Stupid, but I guess whatever floats your boat. (laughs) So they winnow to the summer court the next day. Goes very fast. They meet Tarquin, the High Lord of Summer. So, Farrah said that she feels something in her blood, like, called to this place and to the High Lord, and she's assuming it's, like, his bit of power. Uh, they're all introduced. So, Reese and Amran, uh put on their masks of indifference and cruelty. 
um, and sort of like are being like a little bit nonchalant. Uh, and Feyre decides she's going to do that too. So she's being all sassy. <laughs> uh, we meet Cressida, who is the princess of Adriata and Tarquin's cousin. I immediately dislike her. <laughs> she was not under the mountain. Tarquin was. She was not. Yeah. Uh, we also meet her brother, and who is the captain of the Royal Guard, Varian. So we've got Tarquin the High Lord, uh, Cressida, Princess of Adriata, and captain of the Royal Guard, Varian. So they were led through the palace, and Farah notices that, like, there are no lesser fae in the castle, like, anywhere. Mm-hmm. All the servants are even high fae. Uh, so that's an interesting, like, little dynamic that the Summer Court has going. Mm-hmm. Um, so they sort of talk about how repairs are going to the castle and repairs to the city and all this stuff. Uh, she sees, like, a nice view and Tarquin comes over. Like, I guess she's standing, like, sort of at a window or balcony and Tarquin comes over to talk to her. He wants to know how she fits in with Reese's court. And that's I sort of leads to this discussion about Highburn starting a war and what the Summer Court would do. Um, and the Summer Court, like, I guess Tarquin sort of says, like, if Highburn wants to start a war, like, I'll fight against them. However, they don't want to go to war about other things, insinuating Feyre. Yeah. Uh like so aka Feyre is technically Tamlin's bride and if the summer court was helping Reese harbor her then they could technically be at war with the spring court so I guess technically they insinuate that if Tamlin knew that she was in the summer court then all Tamlin would have to do would be to write Tarquin a letter Mm. Uh, and Tarquin would be by law required to give Feyre back to him like she's a piece of meat yep (laughs) but uh, Feyre sort of like says like don't worry he knows like where we stand he's not going to do that he's not going to war over me and I'm like "Mm." I know I don't know why she opens her mouth at some times I'm like like, does he? I just, anyway, I think she feels like that letter. But, like, if the person that you loved left you and left you to go with somebody who is well known to be able to break minds and recreate memories, mm-hmm. would you trust it if they sent you a letter saying, I'm fine, but I'm not coming back? <laughs> also, if you knew that they couldn't read and write. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, no, 100%. It doesn't really make sense. No, so, like, I feel like she's being a bit short-sighted here. 100%. But I feel like... like, I sent him a letter, everything's fine. But you know, when you were, like, late teens, early 20s, and you were like, I'll break up with that guy, it'll be fine, it'll be easy. I know you don't. But you know what happened to me? (laughs) You saw it happen to other people around you, so. I guess, yeah. Anyway, it was just, I just sort of like, uh. (laughs) Anyway, so 
Tarkin, Tarkin sort of like reassures them, like, don't worry, I won't do that. But Reese sort of says to everyone, he was like, if anybody fucking tells Tamlin that Feyre is here, if anybody attempts to give her to him, their lives are forfeit. Mm. I love it. I love it. Me too. I'm I'm totally here for it. I'm like, yes. Yes, Reese. Like, because she does not want to go. So, yes. Yeah, I agree. Personal personal autonomy here, people. (laughs) She doesn't want to go back. She shouldn't have to go back like a piece of meat. Yeah. Completely agree. So, Reese goes to Feyre's room, I guess, after supper that night. And he tells her that the problem is he actually likes Tarquin. Um, He asks her to do what she has to do without making enemies, i.e. don't get caught. Yeah. Uh, Reese also comments that Tarquin wants her, like in a sexual way. And she kind of taunts back and asks if Reese would be fine with her fucking Tarquin for the book. And she actually says fucking, which I just thought was interesting. Yeah. I didn't realize that there was an F-bomb in this book until. I think there's more than one. There's just, definitely several. I just didn't notice them. Oh, because I people guess. complain about all the F-bombs in F-bombs. It, it's the right, I guess. But anyway, people complain about them in Silver Flames. Because there are a lot in Silver Flames. I'll give you that. But I'm fine with them because I swear a lot. <laughs> I guess. I never noticed. I just know that afterwards people complained about them i like i didn't really notice myself but it's just because i would probably swear that much anyway but i just hadn't noticed that there were any in this book and then she said that and i was like whoo spicy anyway yeah (laughs) um reese says that he's fine with it and she doesn't believe him and they kind of like get closer to each other and it very much reminds me of um, 2005 Pride and Prejudice mm, when yeah. <laughs> after she says no and they get closer together and you're like, they're going to kiss, they're going to kiss. And then they don't. And you're very sad. <laughs> that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's how everybody feels when they, ro- when they watch that scene, because like they're like breathing in each other's air and they're like about to rub noses. And then he's like, thank you, madam. Or... For all of your time. Yeah. Walks so, away. No, he says, forgive me, madam, for taking oh, up so much of so your much time. So much of your time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, so good. So, so, so good. Guys, if anybody hasn't watched it, <laughs> just do it. You need yes. to. Agrees. Just, and we need to do, we need to do Pride and Prejudice at some point. Yeah. Put us out of our misery. Yeah. Oh, so just good. Do just do it. Uh, but that's what this scene felt like to me. And mm. I really was like, there could be a kiss, even though I've read the book before i knew there wasn't going to be but i was like this could be a kiss yeah um anyway and then reese kind of like breaks the tension and asks her to light the candle behind her um but because they're in the summer court she's able to call on tarquin's power which is more connected to the ocean and she Mm -hmm. sends a wave over the candle and then she was kind of surprised that that happened instead of fire because she was trying to light it but then she sends all the droplets back at Reese and ends up soaking them both, um, but not in the way we hoped for. And 
Reese is kind of like impressed by it. And he just tells her to keep practicing. And maybe she's like able to use Tarquin's powers because she's in his domain. Yeah. Uh, Feyre then asks Reese if he thinks Tamlin will actually go to war over her. And he kind of says that he doesn't know. And he asks her if she would go back. And she says if it came to war and death, she would. Because she doesn't want more people dying. Which is like Mm -hmm. obviously a theme with her. And most people. (laughs) I'm not saying it's completely an odd thing or anything. Um, But he's like, is that what would win you over? Him like going to war on your behalf? And she's like, no. He's like, so would you actually want to go back? And she kind of admits that she wouldn't. And it's like, I feel like it's another time when he's kind of giving her a choice. Yeah. Which is just a theme with him, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's true. Like, it's it's one of those things where, like, you know, he's, like, sort of, I feel like this is almost a test, too. Mm-hmm. Test for her. Like, not in a mean way, but just him being, like, figuring out where she stands with Tamlin. Right, because he's like, well, if he was going to go to war, would you go back? And she said, well, yeah, of course I would. And I feel like he's sort of trying to feel like, why? Yeah. And she's saying like, well, no, I wouldn't want to go back, but I would so that people don't die for me. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that's nice reassurance for him as well to understand that like she's, I feel like, I don't know if she still loves Tamlin, but like she's over it. Yeah. Like, she's moving on. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Reese tells her that Tamlin locked her up because he knew that she's worth more than land and gold, and he wanted to keep her to himself. <laughs> and it, it kind of hit Feyre, and she was like, no, Tamlin, Tamlin does love her. And she said that. And then Reese tells her, and I'm going to quote this because Kristen talked about this quote during the first uh, the first book during Akhtar. Um, I did? Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, the issue isn't whether he loved you, it's how much, too much. Love can be a poison. So you talked about that at one point when we did. Did Akhtar. I? Yeah. Referencing this book? Yep. Ha! <laughs> Neat. I forgot. <laughs> anyway, it's just a good quote because it's true. It like is. it's Like, love isn't enough. It's not just about loving somebody. It's also. You also need to respect them too. And and just be good for each other. Like make each other's lives better. It's not just about saying or feeling like you love somebody. Yeah. So I don't know if it's that night or the next night, but they end up on uh, Tarquin's pleasure barge. And uh, like, I'm jealous. I want to be on a pleasure barge. Yeah. Agreed. I want to also want a pleasure barge. Yeah. Sounds. Let's pool our money and get a pleasure barge. <laughs> I don't think it would do well here. The weather <laughs> isn't great. <laughs> We'd need like a heated pleasure barge. <laughs> yes. Of course. <laughs> a magical one would be ideal. Yeah. Um, Farah says that she spends the first hour kind of trying to send out her power to see if she could recognize the book hiding anywhere. But she has no luck. Um, then she starts a conversation with Tarquin, or Tarquin starts a conversation with her. And they kind of talk about treasures, because he mentions his crown is uncomfortable. 
and she what a line like what a what a chat up line right it's just like oh my crown is so uncomfortable so are all the jewels that i have <laughs> you'd think they'd be vault. able to make this more comfortable <laughs> it's convenient though like very convenient for her because she wants to look at the treasures but she asks him if any if people outside of the summer court can like see them because her father used to be a merchant and like trader in jewels and she wants to see the differences between jewels in fey lands and mortal lands it's such a she's got a really good in she does yeah it's a like that is a specific story it is yeah she's very quick she is but she's always been I know, but I would never have been able to come up with a lie that quickly, that convincingly. I would have been like, so any good books? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any books in this treasure hoard? Right? Um, so, yeah. She... Oh my god, do you know what? I totally missed the boat on that that reference, on you referencing his half of the book. I was just thinking, oh, we like books, so we would ask about <laughs> books. No. no. <laughs> but yes, oh, but god. no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> um, he agrees to take her to see the treasures after lunch tomorrow, uh, mm-hmm. which is convenient. Very. Um, but then he also asks her about the mortal world, and she kind of says that it's it's different because of like the different classes, um, and how they're so defined, and like how money is so important, and being yeah. rich is all that really matters and it's kind of obvious that Feyre doesn't know much about the Fey world mm-hmm. and especially because Tarquin then is like well there's clearly class lines here based on higher Fey and lesser Fey like just listen to those names and you can tell that there's differences but I don't think she really noticed it because she's only been a human in the Feylands and then she was basically high Fey. But I mean, like she does, like when she walks in, she's like, oh, there's hardly any, there's everybody is high Fey here. So like, I feel like she notices, but I feel like maybe she doesn't realize that there's mistreatment of lesser Fey. Maybe. Although she she was told that like, they basically went to a camp under under the mountain and people forgot to feed them. And, like, I, I just feel like, but I do also feel like a lot of things were hidden from her by Tamlin. So she doesn't know the extent of it as much as she could. Yeah. But um, Tarquin is apparently, like, very young for a high lord he's 80 he was 30 (laughs) when amarantha came around um but they say that some high fae don't become adults until 75 so like he became a high lord in his 30s i i think that's when they killed the original summer court high lord and then he took over but i just can't imagine that tamlin would have been able to run a court at 80 he can barely run one now it's just interesting that he's so young but also so like 
mature in a way. Yeah. I know, I know 80s, not young, but I will for, say though, for them it is. I've recently read something and it, I think it was a debate on Reddit maybe mm. about this whole him being 80 and still super young. And like, I think they mentioned that like, like what you just said, like some Faye don't reach maturity until 75 yet Feyre is 19 and they all consider her an adult. Mm. So like a lot of people are like questioning like how people think it's okay for her to like mate and like get married when she's a like in in Faye years she is a like a literal baby. Yeah. So like how is it the Faye or like how is anybody even attracted to her considering she's like technically a child? Yeah. I guess so. I don't know when they say you don't reach adulthood until you're 75, does that mean you look like a child, a 15 year old for like 25 years? Gross. No, right. That you. would suck. That would be terrible. <laughs> like I don't, I don't really understand how it all works. Obviously. Yeah. But yeah, I get what you mean. But I guess if it's maturing differently, cause like, I don't know, once I hit 19, I basically looked almost, I was the same height as I am now and, like, didn't look that different, I suppose. But, yeah. Um, so Tarquin also says that he believes that, like, the classes shouldn't exist between Faye and he wants to see uh, them dissolved and he's seen the atrocities that are done to lesser Faye. So he believes in, like, everybody being treated equally. Um, yeah he's got some very radical ideas yes definitely um and favorite kind of wonders at this moment if she could just ask for the book instead of stealing it and she also tells tarquin that it would be very easy to love him and even easier to call him her friend and he says he would not object to either <laughs> which is just like such a baller answer like i guess <laughs> <laughs> but I also I also kind of love it especially because uh, like he's not uncomfortable in the friend zone. Yeah. Right? So many people are like, "Oh, I've been friend zoned by this girl." Like, "Oh, I'll never get in her pants." Yeah. And Tarquin's like, he's okay with it. He's he's satisfied just being friends with her because she's so awesome. And I feel like more men need to take that on board. Agreed. Like, I'm content just being friends with you. Because you're an awesome person. Yeah, yeah, because you're cool. Yeah. It's it's also an interesting line for Favor to throw out after, like, just meeting somebody. <laughs> 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 like, but do I you guess just she... say this to everybody? <laughs> it's her pickup line. Yeah. But I guess <laughs> she can tell he's a cool dude. Yeah, for sure. Um, We get that... Reese is kind of ignoring Farah a bit. Uh, he didn't comment on her outfit, and she's like, "I look so." I know it's so funny, but he he always does, and yeah. she she even says that she looked feminine really? and pretty, and she was like, she looked at herself in the mirror and she was happy with it, which is yeah. like a big deal for her. Um, and, but she also looks over, and Reese and Cressida are very close together. Mm-hmm. She's basically almost on his lap. And uh, Feyre is very jealous. Um, but Tarquin 
looks over to see what she's looking at and says that it's been a long time since he's seen Cresta look that happy, which makes Feyre feel a bit, not less jealous, but she feels a bit bad for being mad at her for wanting Reese. She's, I don't know. I think she's more like, I guess I can just be mad at Reese for ignoring me. (laughs) But I just, I don't understand. Like is Tarkin, Tarquin just like, oblivious because like he sees her looking and like what does he see that makes it okay for her to say for him to be like oh i've never seen her so happy like yeah I don't, it just seems like he's like shoving it in fair's face a little bit that his cousin is over there and it makes me wonder like what look does she have on her face that he thinks that's gonna help yeah, I don't think that he thinks... Like, do you think that when he looked at Feyre's face as she was looking at Reese and Cressida, do you think that he saw that she was jealous? Or do you think that he just thought she, that she was just looking around and looked at them? I I don't think that he saw that she was jealous. Well, that's what I mean. Like, how could you not see that? Well, I don't know what she looks like. Maybe she has resting bitch face. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but okay, like... Fine. I feel like, yes, Reese has said some pretty radical shit of, like, if anybody, I'll forfeit anyone's life and, like, all that shit. But, like, it doesn't seem like they are together. And I think Tarquin knows that they're not together, at least yet. Because I do think that he is interested in her as well so maybe that's blinding him to see that she's interested in somebody else yeah i don't know but i don't i don't think that he sees it and maybe he's just oblivious like some guys are um favorite kind of feels lonely and she's a bit unhappy and like i think probably a little for forgotten because reese isn't paying attention to her and like normally he pays so much attention to her mm-hmm. um this is a bit this is a bit pouty for me. Like, oh, he usually pays so much attention to me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, but she's also just surprised because she hasn't felt an emotion in a very long time. So to even feel unhappy about something is like kind of a big deal. Um so she kind of needs to go get some air, which is very dumb because she's on a boat. That is completely open, but she goes to get air. Um, Tarquin asks if she wants company. <laughs> Aren't they on an open boat? 100%, yeah. She realizes as she says it that it's a dumb thing to say, but she's like, <laughs> fuck it. She just wants to be by herself. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tarquin asks if she wants company, but she thinks of how dark and different she is from him and how they, he could never understand her. And it's just another one of those like very self-indulgent moments that I'm like, I I can't get behind. But then I'm also like, she is 20, so I get it. Um, When she leaves the barge, Reese and Cressida are already gone. So she goes off to bed and she's obviously not feeling the best, but she is happy that she can't hear Reese and Cressida (laughs) fucking next door. So that is, that is a plus. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, she does unfortunately have nightmares that night, but she kind of remembers that she's a weapon now and it, it gives her a bit of power back. So there's a few small scenes that are like 
peppered throughout this section that are like moments where she's progressing, even if she's having bad feelings at the time. You know what yeah. I mean? Um, the next day she doesn't want to see Reese because she's like, she's jealous and she's kind of confused over everything. Uh, and it kind of feels like, and I kind of get that, like it kind of feels like there are mixed messages between them and she doesn't know what to think. So she stays yeah. in bed late and she only basically leaves her room to go meet Tarquin for the tour of his treasury rooms. Yeah. Um, when she goes to meet him, the whole group is there. Um, and she pointedly ignores Reese. Um, Feyre gives Tarquin a really pretty smile, kind of just to like rub it in Reese's face. Um, which I think is kind of shitty. Like I don't, it's kind of childish, but I know she's still young and confused. So I don't, I don't know. But I also feel like we can't keep giving that, like we can't keep giving that as an excuse for her. Like, I feel like, yeah, she's only 19, but she hasn't been a child for a very long time. Yeah. But she hasn't been in a situation where she felt like somebody was attracted to her and then they completely ignored her. I don't know. I feel like she's not very experienced with love. Like she fucked Isaac Hale, but that wasn't, that wasn't a relationship. That was just sex. And then Tamlin. And now she's like, I don't even know if I understand why I loved him. So I feel like she's not very experienced in it. Yeah, I guess I just like, I don't know. I do feel like, though, that so if you were having like flirty moments and like thinking that maybe you could have like something casual with someone and then all of a sudden you assume that they are with someone else. Hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I would be pissed, too. Like, yeah. And he, he doesn't try and he doesn't go to her room that night. He doesn't try and like talk to her at all that day. So when they like, have a fucking bond, they could just talk through the bond. Yeah. <laughs> or like those little letter note things. Like mm-hmm. he could have said something to her and been like, hey, you okay? Like what's going on? Yeah. I haven't seen you. Like it, you know, just to, I don't know, to get rid of them, the sort of mixed messages stuff. Yeah. And like she's under the assumption that he slept with Cressida. So like, I yeah. see why she's trying to make him feel jealous too. Yes. Like one smile versus sleeping with somebody, not a huge deal. Yeah. But it is a bit childish later on when we figure out everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so Feyre and Tarquin go on their tour and they see many rooms with like a bunch of treasures and she tries to feel for the book, like in each room. Um, Tarquin ends up giving her a black diamond necklace that sounds beautiful and when he offers it to her she kind of thinks of asking him for the book instead but obviously she doesn't mm-hmm. um, they do talk a little bit about politics and Tarquin talks about Reese and says that he helped him under the mountain um, if you remember in the first book uh, there was a summer court fae trying to leave and Amarantha asked Reese to figure out why he was trying to. Um, and it was 
apparently under Tarquin's orders, but Reese just said, oh, he was just trying to get out on his own and then just broke his brain and killed him. Yeah. Um, but that that really saved Tarquin because he could have easily been like, yeah, he was leaving because the High Lord of Summer told him to, but he didn't. Yeah. So yeah. he kind of says that he doesn't really think Reese is that bad. And he also says that like, Feyre seems happy so clearly like Reese can't be that shitty if he's like keeping her well yeah um she kind of tells him that they can't talk about this because she can't really say anything about Reese like she doesn't want she can't say anything about Valaris or say that he is a good person because it's against the persona that he puts off and Tarquin repeats her line back to her that it would be very easy to love her, but easier to be her friend. And I think that's very sweet that he got to the same realization. And now they're both like, they're buddies. They're going to be buddies. They're going to be best friends mm-hmm. for five minutes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, she doesn't feel the book during the tour, unfortunately. So she knows that she's going to need to look elsewhere. Um, when she gets back to her room, Reese is there and mm-hmm. she shows him her beautiful new necklace. Yeah. Um, but no book. And Reese is kind of jealous too. And they go back and forth a bit. And Reese does explain that, like, he feels like a dick for having to like distract Cressida and get information for her from her by like flirting with her. Yeah. When he knows that she's lonely and like, he doesn't feel good having to like do it this way. Um, he does explain though that he took her out for a drink last night and then brought her back to her room and like, they didn't kiss, like he didn't sleep with her. So I think that takes a weight off Feyre's chest a bit. Yeah. Reese does admit that, like, seeing her smile at Tarquin kind of gutted him. Um, He also admits he's jealous of, like, how easy it is to love Tarquin because he doesn't have to worry about always being a target like Reese does. And, like, his children, should he have them, won't be hunted and hated like like, Reese as well. Can I just say why? Like, Tarquin is a high lord, just like Reese is. Is the issue that he's not the most powerful High Lord? Like, well, he's also not a dick. I guess. I'm like, I'm like, a lot of your issues seem rooted in the fact that you don't want to tell people that you're not an asshole. (laughs) Yeah. Like, why? Yeah, true story. I don't know. But yeah, I like, you'd think that any of his children would be targets too, especially if they have more than one, because any High Lord's children fight each other. Mm-hmm. so i don't know i don't think it would be easy to marry a high lord of any court agreed um, reese also kind of says that he and tarquin could be allies and like he noticed that before because tarquin wants to like abolish the fey classes like we kind of talked about before and that's also something that reese wants because he's not even high fey himself so it's something that like he holds as a future that he'd like to see yeah. Um, Farrah goes to pour herself some whiskey and I'll say that they like, they kind of cheers with like 
a quote that is very well known in this book. It's kind of funny that I got two quotes in this part, but (laughs) Um, she says to the people who look at the stars and wish and Reese responds with to the stars that listen and the dreams that are answered. And like, that is one of the main quotes that I think is quoted from this book. It's probably the, the most quoted of the book. Yeah. And I love it. I'm here for it. Yeah, me too. Because like the principal sort of thing that we are reminded of over and over again is the fact that Reese and his court are a court of dreamers. Mm-hmm. Like they have all had uh, Hardship. hardships. Yeah. And they've all managed to like rise above them and sort of create an environment that they are proud to be a part of. Yeah. And they're just trying to make the world a better place. So I I like it. Yeah, me too. Uh, So the next few days are spent with Reese and Amran in meetings with the summer court. I'll call them inner circle. And Farah is basically like searching the city for the book. Um, Farah kind of notices like a possible attraction or something with um Amrin and Varian which is kind of interesting she sees them as like cat and mouse with obviously Amrin being the cat mm-hmm. um I know and doesn't she also say that like she can't tell whether Varian like is interested in her or like hates her and is like watching over her to make sure she doesn't do anything because he doesn't trust her yeah or both <laughs> <laughs> or both yeah <laughs> yeah which I'm here for it. I'd love to get that story. <laughs> yeah. As a like side story. Um, she's walking up the stairs of the palace uh, one day and she notices a building that you can't see when the tide is in. So, um, so I guess the tide is out right now and she can only see like half of the building and she says she can't look away from it. And she says it feels like it has a feeling of home. So she's like, this could be it. Finally, I found something. Um, At supper that night, Farah is kind of chatting up Tarquin, talking about all the things she's seen in the city. And she asks him about this building, saying that it's fascinating. And he tells her it's just a temple ruin. But she sees like the way he looks at Cressida um, after she says that. And knows there's clearly something more to it. And that it's it's likely what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, she can tell that he's still suspicious. And she kind of uses her like little kernel of his power to bypass his mental shields by tricking it into thinking that she's a part of his shield. Um, yeah. And she sends her thoughts into his head as if they were his own. Saying that like she's harmless. She's sad. She's nice. She's your friend. And she also says that, like, he should take her to the mainland to stop her from looking into the building and completely, like, placates him. He forgets his suspicion completely. Mm -hmm. And she's just, like, kind of shocked she even did it. She kind of did it on instinct, even, it seems like. Yeah. Um, Later that night, Reese comes to her room and he kind of says that he's impressed with how she stopped Tarquin from being suspicious. Um, she's 
obviously a fast learner and it takes most Damati like years to learn how to do that. Um, and Reese does tell her that like, she'll get used to it over time, but she's kind of like, it doesn't feel right to do that. And she feels guilty. Yeah. But for he, going in someone's mind and like changing their thoughts. Yeah, for sure. Um, but he says that he, he did the same thing to uh, Cressida and Varian. So like he understands and like he felt guilty as well, but like it was something that they had to do. Yeah. And she asks him if she, if he has ever felt bad when he went inside her mind. And he says that she scared the shit out of him and he didn't know if she was okay. So she had to like, so he had to check on her. And then he kind of says that he'll explain the rest later. And I'm like, that's not good enough. <laughs> I don't even understand. So what he said, like, he he obviously admitted that he did. Yeah. Because he didn't know she was okay. So he went inside of her mind to check on her. Yeah. Because I guess he, he said, oh, you had a spike of fear, like, last month. Yeah. And, like, uh, all I'm feeling from you is, like, nothingness. So... Yeah. I, I just don't, like, I get when he does explain the rest later, but it, it's still not a good enough explanation for going into somebody's head, I don't think. Maybe when I reread it, I'll think it is, but we'll see. Um, but then Amryn shows up, and <laughs> she just says that it seems like a stupid place to hide a book, which is, like, <laughs> so I true. Love, I love that she sort of, like, breaks the tension. Yeah. Bit. Well, someone has to. Um, they kind of decide that they're going to steal the book tomorrow. And Feyre and Amran will go into the building and Reese will keep watch. And mm-hmm. they'll kind of like watch the guards tonight to see what their shifts are so that they know what to expect tomorrow. The next day, Feyre spends with um, like hanging out with Tarquin in the city. And she notices that like the people in the town because i think the summer court is the one that lost all the children as well like they were hit pretty hard that was was winter that was winter okay well they lost their but they did lose their high lord and like i think most of his family because she says that tarquin must have been like a distant relative to become yeah high lord um so like there was clearly a lot of destruction here as well because they're all still cleaning up the city but Sarah kind of notices that people are like moving past their pain and, and they're not necessarily like out in the streets happy, but they're not severely depressed (laughs) in the streets. And she kind of thinks that maybe she'll be able to move past her pain too. But it's just like a good moment. Yeah. It's hopeful. Yeah. We have hope for you. Exactly. Um, Reese tells Tarquin that they plan to leave the next afternoon, but they'll leave in the, like, right away after they get the book and kind of claim an emergency and, like, just yeah. leave a note or something. Um, so now the heist. We have a heist! <laughs> um, Reese drops Farah and Amran off at the building, and Amran can't feel any wards on it, which is good. So they go inside and Feyre can feel the book, but it's sleeping, which is an interesting thing to call a book. Considering it's only half of a book and books are not usually sleeping. (laughs) No, they're not alive. Exactly. Uh, 
so of course they they realize that the book is underground and right now obviously the tide is out or they wouldn't even be able to be inside this little hut thing um ruin ruin so they have limited time before like the tide will come back in and start filling it up with water yeah so they start to dig through the mud and they find a trap door and it's sealed so she has to use like her kernel of Tarquin's power, kind of like when she got into his mental shield. And she puts her entire will into become, becoming his essence. And she actually shapeshifts into him, which Ooh. is interesting. Creepy. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of funny. I can't imagine how that would look. Yeah, I don't know why. I just imagine him shrunk down to like three quarters the size he normally is. Because like I don't know. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> uh, so they go down this trap door because she ends up opening it, and there's a hall and a chamber, and the, there's water down there, but it's only like waist high, which is ideal because like realistically, it could have been full of water because generally this spot is under the ocean. Yes. Um, Favor does note that if she was human, she'd probably be dead with the cold. Yikes. Um, and the, she says that when she gets to the door of the chamber, she has to like open that again with Tarquin's power. And she says that it's harder to open and it takes a lot of her energy, but she doesn't actually shapeshift this time. And she is able to open it kind of like eventually. <clears throat> There's protection in this room and it kind of like keeps it dry, which is ideal. Yeah. Um, with a book, you don't want it to get wet. No, you do not. <laughs> um, and when she gets in there, Farah hears the book talking, which is, I'm going to say, worrisome for a book. Yikes. It asks her who she is and why she's there. And then the tide kind of starts to come back in and Amron kind of wonders if it's like part of Tarquin's or the summer court's power that is making the tide come in faster than normal because they like know there's a breach of some kind. Um, So they obviously need to get the book and get out very quickly because otherwise they'll be under the ocean. Um. Farah's trying to like convince the book that she's Tarquin and the book kind of like quiets so she just grabs it and then an ancient cruel voice hisses liar and the door to this chamber slams shut which is obviously not ideal I'll say yeah a lot about this uh scenario (laughs) is not ideal yes like Having to go, I'm sorry, I would never be able to go into a structure that would slowly start filling up. I, I just cannot. I can't get my mental barriers past that. I mm. I would not be able to do it. And and then on top of that, as soon as you hear the book sleeping or talking or anything, <laughs> like, yeah. run. You run for the hills. True. Like, do not, like, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You just run right off the board and you get out. Don't fuck with things you don't understand. No. Not Um, even slightly. I just, I was kind of thinking in this scene, like, 
she can shape shift. I know she doesn't like it because it reminds her of Tamlin and that's a whole other issue. But wouldn't she be able to shape shift into something that could breathe underwater? Oh my god, you would think, yes. Right? Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like she doesn't have control over that no. shit yet anyway. So I feel like even if she was like, ooh, I could be a fish. I feel like <laughs> she wouldn't know how to do that. Yeah, I get it. But it's also just like, that's something that maybe you should learn before you go into a building that could fill up with water. I also feel like me choosing a fish was a terrible idea. <laughs> I was thinking a wraith, but <laughs> all good. A fish just holding the book, like, just imagine Flounder, <laughs> a little mermaid, just like, where do you want this book? Uh, Wobbling back and forth. Oh, oh I would pay to see that. Yeah. Um, so, the book is pissed, the door slams, and then the water starts filling up, like, the hallway like, I'm just, I'm sorry, I'm getting the heebie-jeebies just from, like, thinking <laughs> out of, about a book going. <sighs> yeah. That was like, creepy. That is, thank you. Uh, but, th- <laughs> like, that's what I think of in my mind, and I'm like, oh! <laughs> I get it. <laughs> um, uh, Amryn kind of uses her magic she puts her palm on the door and like heats it. And then there's symbols that show up and the door opens and then water starts rushing into this room, obviously, because it's filling up the room outside. Yeah. Um, Farrah gets herself to the door and just like puts Amron <laughs> on her back. <laughs> I know. I'm like, this is, I don't know you... why, but oh I'm my like, gosh. She could have transformed into a dolphin and Amon could have like held on to the to the the dorsal fin. Yes. Yeah. I'm like, come on, flipper. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't she do that? Um, <laughs> uh, um and then she's like going through trying to get to the trap door and then get to the building and get out. And yeah. um Amryn kind of uses her power to make a path through the water and Feyre uses Tarquin's power to kind of calm the water. Um, But before they can get to the door, a giant wave comes crashing over them and they're submerged. And then the door also seals shut. Um, Which is terrifying. (laughs) Don't love this. So scary. Um, Amryn swims towards the door and Farrah's kind of panicking a bit, which is completely understandable. <laughs> um, yes. And they kind of wonder why Reese isn't helping, which <laughs> also fair. Um, Amryn tries to use like her same magic to open the door, but it's not working. And Farrah just starts slamming her body into the door. And she ends up like getting talons and trying to like rip through the door. And I'm like, just turn into a wraith. Like, <laughs> Literally any number of underwater creatures. Yes. Um, but she, Farrah... No, oh my god. If she turned into a blue whale, she would break open everything. Because she'd be so big. Yeah. But then she'd be beached. <laughs> so, so dumb. <laughs> uh. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Can you imagine? I want to see that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Feyre's kind of like at the end of her oxygen tank and she just she needs a breath. Her oxygen tank that is her natural lungs. Yeah. That's what I mean. Okay. Um, <laughs> so she needs a breath which is obviously a terrible idea because that means she'll fill her lungs with water and die. Um, and the door is ripped open and she sees three beautiful ethereal <laughs> wraiths are just there. The wraiths grab them both, uh, but Ferris still has to take a breath. Like, it's not fast enough. So she gets a lung full of water. Just one lung. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, they pick the worst lung. <laughs> um, so they hit the surface, and Farah vomits up the water, and so does Amrin. But at least they're alive! Yay! <laughs> and... The wraiths say that their sister's debt is paid, and then they just fuck right off. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, assume... They are. <laughs> yeah. I mean, hey, they paid their debt. Exactly. So this is, like, I guess, in reference to the wraith that Feyre helped at the tithe. Yes. Yeah. Gave her jewels so that she could pay her taxes, and the wraith said that she would, like, owe her one. Mm-hmm. Well, this is she the wouldn't one. Forget it. This is yeah. yeah this is the one. Um, Feyre and Amran start swimming towards the shore, and Feyre's kind of like praying that the wraiths won't come back and eat her. And I'm like, bitch, why would they save you just to eat you? <laughs> like, they just wait until you died underground and then eat yeah. your body. Like, yeah. unless not here they for a struggle. No, but unless they like their, unless they like things alive. Yeah. I'm just saying, some people like, you know, like their flesh living before they eat it. <laughs> well, I hope that your flesh is living before you eat it at some point. <laughs> but anyway, I don't think that they're going to come back and eat them. That just seems dumb. I'd be more yeah. worried about anything else in the water than the wraiths. Yes. Really. Yes. Sharks. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Um, if there are sharks in this world, I don't know how this world exists. Oh my god, they need sharks. <laughs> they need them. They do yes. need them. <laughs> they just do. Um, um, Reese finds them on the shore and tells them that they set off every <laughs> alarm in the place, <laughs> and like apparently the cavern nullified some of Amran's powers and it also completely like blocked out the bond with Reese and Feyre because he didn't realize that they were dying which I think he would have realized if they weren't in this little ruin um so do you think he would have helped if he knew they were dying (laughs) I think he would have helped if he knew they were dying I think so because I'm wondering if like he seemed like he was busy on his own because he had to go around all the guards and like try and like get them to stop going after it but if it was between stopping the guards and going to them and helping them live i think he would have saved their lives Mm. i guess because like if the wraiths didn't come they would have been fucked yeah um reese just asks if they got the book and then they like all notice a commotion at the castle and reese just says he missed some guards and then winnows them away (laughs) (laughs) Good job, sir. You did well. Um, They end up back in the townhouse and everyone from the inner circle is there. Um, But 
before anyone can really ask anything. Amran asks Farah how. And she's talking about why the wraiths saved them, which is exactly what you said. That the wraith that couldn't pay the tithe, she helped her. So her sisters helped Farah. Um, Amran just starts laughing and she says, only an immortal with a mortal soul would give those nasty beasts the money. <laughs> Which is like a bit rude. But yeah, fine. I mean, they just they just saved your ass. So like <laughs> right? they can't be all bad. Let's let's be happy about it for a second. But anyway, mm-hmm. Fair Laps like kind of starts laughing too. And I'm like, it's mostly because of shock, I'm sure. Um Reese and the others there are like, what the fuck is going on? Because they don't even know what they're talking about. They're just like laughing hysterically in the living room and they're all wet. Yeah. Um, so they get up off the floor because they were literally like sprawled on the floor because they landed there and just fell. Um, and Amran dries them off magically. And Reese asks Farah to open the box that like this half of the book is in. Um, while she's trying to open it, the book talks to her and asks if she'll read it and like asks some other questions. And like most of the people, I, I don't think they can hear the book. No. Like, so it, it kind of, she's answering the book and it kind of just looks like she's batshit crazy. Um, it, it asks her to say, please. <laughs> and she does. And it opens. Um, and like, it knows that she's not Tarquin, but the book then says that, like, like calls to like, which is a very common theme in these books. And I have no fucking idea what it means. <laughs> I think that the because the cauldron made everything and is made, like, capital M, mm. and can unmake everything... And Feyre is made, like, remade. So I think it's that sort of reference to that. Like, the cauldron is made and Feyre is made, so they share a connection. Yeah, I guess. That's how I I I take it. I feel like it's used a lot in her books. And I'm like, I don't know what you're getting at. But Mm. um, the book also says, on made and made made and unmade is the cycle and I was kind of trying to think of if I could like make any sense of that and I don't know like I don't know what was unmade but clearly Pharaoh was made and Amran was made I guess and um what's her face was made immortal yeah so I don't know like I if this is I'm, the cycle, what is being unmade? Well, I'm wondering if it's something like maybe it's referencing the cauldron again because the cauldron was made and then it was unmade by being take getting the feet taken off, mm. and then it it got made again. I don't. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and I can't really think of what it works with, but I kind of wonder if that'll come back at some point. Um. So the book is out of the box and the book calls her curse breaker and then it opens and it isn't like a normal book. It's on like black slates that are held together by three golden rings and Favor can't read it. And we're like, 
Was her learning to read pointless? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously not really, but it's just kind of funny. Um, Reese is the one who explains that it's written in the holy tongue. And he heard a legend that the book was written in the tongues of the mighty beings who feared the cauldron and made a book to combat it. And these mighty beings were here and then vanished. And Amran looks at it and recognizes it as like her maiden language. Um, yeah. Which is interesting because her maiden language is the holy tongue. So we're like, what is Amran? Yeah. Um, Amran is a little pissed that Reese didn't tell her. Uh, and he he kind of says that he, he didn't want to get her hopes up. Yeah, um, which makes he, sense. It does. He thinks that she may be able to use the book to go home and like to get out of this body. So she's been stuck here for, this, we don't know for sure, but like 10,000 years maybe. So if she wants to go home, that the answer might be in this book. So it's, it's kind of a big deal. And he didn't want to like make any promises if he didn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, Asriel asks why the king is bringing back Jurian. Yes. And it's kind of interesting because, like, I, I don't agree. know if we ever get that answer. <laughs> no, um, because Jurian is a human. He fought with the humans in the war. Yeah. So, like, the fact that Hybern, who was on the opposite side, is bringing Jurian, a human who fought in the human side, back. Like, we don't really know the motivation for that. We don't really know what they're up to. No. And who, like, Jurian's been tortured by Amarantha in his death for 500 years. I don't know if it's been, I'm assuming around that. (laughs) Anyway, it just doesn't really seem to make sense. Um, But they kind of like ask what, what does the King have to keep him bound? And they kind of think that maybe Jurian wants Miriam back and who better to resurrect her than the King. But she was granted immortality, so she isn't dead. So that's going to be an issue. That obviously the king isn't going to be able to resurrect her. Yeah. Um, Feyre's kind of just sitting there wondering who these people are, but she's also very tired, so she's like, I'll deal with that later. Um, Amran kind of starts to tell the story of what just happened, and Feyre sends like a little note down her bond to Reese to say to the dreams that are answered. And he sends her back a note and says to the huntress who remembered to reach back to those less fortunate and water wraiths who swim very, very fast, <laughs> which I just thought was cute. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, Amron then takes the half of the book home and Farrah goes to bed for, I'm going to say a day and a half. I don't know for sure, but I would. Um, Yes. Sounds very exhausting. (laughs) Yes. Uh, The next day, Farrah's like outside reading in the sun. And then I guess it's starting to get dark in the area she's in. So she goes up to the um, balcony to keep soaking up some sun. And she finds Reese there. And he's drinking what I'm going to assume is some whiskey. And mm-hmm. she notices a box next to him and she can feel Tarquin's power on it. Um, Reese kind of just tells her he did think about asking Tarquin for the book, 
but he was worried that he'd say no. And he wanted to keep like the knowledge of the book and why they wanted it um, kind of as secret as they could for as long as possible. Uh, He explains that he does feel bad because Tarquin really did want an alliance and maybe even a friendship with Reese. Mm-hmm. And that's something that, like, no other High Lord has ever tried to bond. Yeah. Like, nobody else has ever tried to have an alliance with him or be a yeah. friend. And it seems like he really wanted the friend. Yeah. It's sad. It is sad. I feel like, obviously, I feel bad for Reese, but, like, I also feel bad for Tarquin because Tarquin sort of, like, extended his, you know, he let him into his house and sort of was trying to, like, extend an olive branch. and. Mm-hmm. Especially, like, I'm sure he heard shitty things from everybody else. And he was like, he seems like a good dude. Yeah. And then he got a punch in the face. Yeah, he got robbed. Robbed blind. Mm -hmm. Um, Farah opens the box. And inside, there are three giant blood rubies. And apparently, in the summer court, they send blood rubies to people. And it's kind of like a declaration that there's a price on their head. And that they are now hunted and will soon be dead. So there's one for each of them. Reese, Farah, and Amran. Yikes. Yeah. It's not great. Not a great look. Um, Reese tells her that he made a mistake. He knocked, I guess, the first guard out instead of using his Daimati power to like stop him from knowing yeah. about the issue in the first place. Like He could have done a lot, but he he just didn't think of it because he hasn't been in this kind of situation for such a long time. And his first instinct was to just knock him out. Yeah. And he kind of has a lot of guilt about it, but Feyre is kind of like, you're allowed to make mistakes. Um, and I, I don't think he believes that like they have, I don't know. I think he's very much a perfectionist and doesn't think that he's allowed to do anything wrong. Yeah. Um, Farah is kind of like, maybe you can return the book once the cauldron is neutralized and you can apologize. And Reese says that Amran can keep the book for as long as she needs. So he doesn't like, he's not going to give it back until Amran finds what she needs in the book. Yeah. Um, Reese says that he's kind of worried about telling Amran about these um, blood rubies because he thinks that she might just go back and wipe out the city just for spite. (laughs) Which is, like, a bit extra. Uh, is it bad that my first thought, and again, I'm obviously, I'm not, I don't have a lot of money, so maybe that's part of the motivation. Like, my first thought would be to sell them. Yeah. Because they're okay. gigantic rubies. Yeah. I know. I'm like, like this oh, is this, a gift. That's so nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Feyre <laughs> uh, tells Reese that she understands why he did what he did to, like, protect Valaris. And she also tries to kind of like pick at him a little bit to kind of get him to pick back, pick back. Yeah, I know. It just sounds so weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because she wants him to banter. Yes. He's, he's clearly like in a, in a bad mood right now and she does want him to feel better and he's done it for her multiple times so I get why she's doing it but I'm also a little bit of me is like he's allowed to have a few hours to be upset like 
It should be fine. But well, he's he's allowed to be upset. She doesn't have to get him out of his upsetness. Yeah. But I do understand why she wants to. I just am like, people can feel feelings. It's fine. Yeah. Um, she asks him if she should use his house credit or her own money to go buy some lingerie that she saw. And he's just like, he tells her he is not in the mood. And... Which I'm actually surprised about. Yeah. Because he seems like the type that, like, as soon as sexy things are brought up, he is raring to go. Exactly. Um, She, like, keeps going and she tries to make him jealous, saying that she should wear the lingerie. lingerie. <laughs> yeah, for Tarquin. And he may forgive them for stealing the book. And... Reese kind of like comments on her thinking a lot of herself and like her being attractive. Mm-hmm. Um, Which and, fair point. Oh, for sure. But she, she also tells him that he hasn't really called her attractive. Like Reese hasn't called her attractive. And he's like, I have. And she's like, well, maybe you should do a better job. <laughs> Which I was like, interesting. Yes, Not his fault if it. you don't. I know, but it's not his fault if you don't take the compliments. I guess, but I just love how she's like, so obviously like, well, if I didn't get it, then you got to do better. Yeah, which he starts doing. So he takes takes direction well. Yeah. But like also he did say and like the very first week, you look absolutely delicious today, favorite darling. Yep. So how does she not think that that's? I think she thought that he's like just teasing her and being Maybe. a little shit, which he also was, but you know. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Reese then says that they should go to the shop now, but Asriel shows up and Farah kind of leaves before he even lands. Yeah. Um, she almost immediately starts to feel guilty about flirting because she only just left Tamlin a little while ago and she also knows that she would have gone to the shop with Reese. And this scene is kind of interesting because um, Ferris kind of just starts to think of like, what would have happened if she did go to the shop with Reese? Oh, like, it was good too. It is good. It was so good. Like, uh, everything you would think, everything you would expect from a sexy lingerie store scene. Yes. Yeah. So good. Yes. Um, and like, I remember the first time I was reading it, I was like, whoa, this is something. And yeah. then it hits you. But yeah. <laughs> she she knows that like she would have gone in the store and she'd put on the red lacy lingerie and walked out to see Reese. And he would have told the workers that like the store is closed now and they would have like closed up shop and left. And then she would have walked over to him. And while she's like standing between his legs and he's licking her navel, she in real life runs into a post. (laughs) And I just, I love that so much. I'm like, perfect. This is like, why, why is she still walking having this memory? Like, stop. That sounded like a very involved memory. Like you, like you would stop, you would think. Yeah, it's just it's just funny. Um, after running into a post, she realizes that like Reese sent her this fantasy. <laughs> um, 
which I just love even more because mm-hmm. he he did he did get all hot and bothered with her yeah. talking about lingerie. Like we were like, yeah. oh, it's weird he didn't bite there, but he did. He did internally, yes. <laughs> so she got him out of his bunk. Exactly. Uh, she ends up eating with more that night, and she tells her about like Reese sending her the fantasy. And Moore says that she should be proud that she got Reese out of his bad mood because normally it takes people a lot longer. And, like, normally most people just can't get him out of a bad mood. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Fair says that she gets to bed late because she's up gossiping with Moore. And before she falls asleep, darkness starts to, like, slip into her room. So she follows the bond to find Reese because, obviously, she knows the darkness is coming from him. And it's so dark in his room, but she like gets to his bed and she like (laughs) tries to wake him up. So she's like slaps him and she like is calling down the bond to him and she does eventually like get through to him and he flips her and pins her with a talent hand to her throat. Yeah. It's like, he's not quite awake. No, but I think that is so hot. (laughs) And I don't know if that says more about me than anything else, but... It, it definitely <laughs> says it says something about you. I think that is very hot. Um... I mean, the fact that... And we'll hear about it in a second. The fact that he has no clothes on, I think, would make it make it hot very quick. Like, I don't yes. understand how they, how they resist at this point. I, I don't understand anything he's about this not, scene. He's not clothed. <laughs> Exactly. Um, we'll get to that in a second because I have thoughts. Okay. Uh, she So she ends up sending like soothing feelings and like a song down the bond and like it gets him, it gets through to him eventually and like she's like, I'm Farah, like fuck off basically. And <laughs> he does. And he's like, Farah, yes. And he like takes away all the darkness. And yeah, of course he's naked. And she's like, I'm not going to look down past his chest. And then she's like, my traitor eyes looked down past his chest and I was stopped by his knee tattoos. And I'm like, to get to his (laughs) knees, you had to see his dick. I don't care. That's how anatomy works. It is. Mm. But we get nothing about his dick. Yeah. I, I mean, I have no, like, yeah, he... He he was naked. Everyone draws him naked in this scene. Yeah. There's a lot of pictures of this online. <laughs> there are. I also don't know why he had to be naked. So I just, I don't know why he couldn't have just had like a pair of like tiny black boxers or something on or briefs, you know? I just feel like I get that he sleeps naked and that's like a thing. But like... If we're not going to talk about his dick, why is it out? But I also wonder if maybe like we're coming at this book from a a time frame in which they maybe like like I'm I'm thinking that they tend to stick to more like a medieval style of dress. So, true. I don't know if <laughs> boxers or briefs were a thing. Maybe they were. That's true. True. I guess. Fine. Um, But we get some information about 
his knee tattoos now, which also sound cool. Um, but they're like the quintessential actor series symbol. It's mm-hmm. the mountain with the three stars. Yes. Um, and he's got the same tattoo on both knees. <clears throat> um, Reese apologizes to her and says that he can normally keep like his darkness and his nightmares contained to his room. And she kind of realizes that this is why he's always staying here away from like Cassian and Asriel so that they don't see how affected he is. Yeah. Like I said before, like he has made a habit of um, keeping his trauma hidden from Mm. the inner circle. And this is just one example of how he does that. Yeah. Uh, he also tells her that he has nightmares as often as she does. And she asks what he dreamed of tonight. And he says that there are memories from under the mountain that are best not shared, even with her. And she lets him know that like, if he ever wants to talk, she's there and he thanks her and she kisses his cheek and just goes to leave. And, um, kind of like she looks back at him for one last look and, she sees him kneeling on the bed and she can see his tattoos on his knees and his chest and his wings are kind of drooping and a painting flashes in her mind. A dark fallen prince is what she'd call it. And she says that the painting remains in the hole in her chest, the hole that is slowly starting to heal over. The one thing though I will say is that like, I feel like she left him very abruptly. Yeah. Probably because he was naked. I know, but, like, whenever he, like, came into her room when she was having a nightmare, he literally waited until she was back asleep and then put her in bed. Yeah. So, like, I just feel like she should have stayed longer. She was like, you're awake? Okay, cool, bye. Yeah. I I do feel like it probably was because he was naked and she's like, whoa, not ready for this. I would. Oh, 100%. I'd be like, yes. Would you like me like, to stay? Talons, please. <laughs> Not actually. Would you but... like me to stay here tonight to protect yes. you? Oh my god, I lost my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> my god, what? Your penis accidentally fell inside me. <laughs> How did that happen? Magic. And then you're like, oh, I think it's stuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway yep we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up there this week (laughs) right there (laughs) right there yeah so if you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in our episodes or if you have any book suggestions you can email us at coffeeandcoread at gmail.com and be sure to check us out on twitter facebook and instagram at Coffee and co-read. And next week, we're going to be talking chapters 39 to 51 of Akamath. So make sure to follow along. And if you're enjoying our chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you find our content. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you on the next page. <laughs>